Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. If this is your first time listening to First Time Podcast, it's really, really simple. Either me, the guest, or both of us have experienced something for the first time, and we're going to talk about that experience. Um, Today, we're talking about a film, not a big surprise, but uh, my guest today is the co-host of the I'm Super Stoked podcast, the Confused Breakfast podcast. He's a member of Ratcatcher. Welcome, Sean Pryor, to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Tad. I really appreciate it. So... Two podcasts, a band, um, God knows what else. You're one of those people like that just can't sit down for a second. So I was sort of surprised I even found like an open date for you. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just got done kind of researching for our uh, next coming episode. That we're, we, we record like two movies in one. So I just got done researching for, um, uh, we're going to do Bloodsport and Days of Confuse coming up. So Two fantastic movies. So um why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about both of your shows uh, and your band, just a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. I, um, uh, I'm super stoked podcast. I do with my co-host uh, AJ Vens, and that's pretty much, it, it kind of uh, spurred out of doing a, a local music podcast um, called Wolfpack podcast. And uh, we were just talking, we just had local bands in talking about the trials and tribulations of, how it is to be a local musician in Iowa. And uh, then that just kind of transitioned into, um, I had a segment on that show actually called uh, Prior's Picks, where it was just like movies that I had been watching. And um, so it kind of transitioned into a top five kind of show where we just pick a topic and we do our top five, let's say, um, you know, foods or like breakfast foods or like cereals or something like that. Um, and then we also, uh, review beer on there, mostly local. And then, uh, I, I, again, talk about, uh, the movies that I've been watching <clears throat> and music that I've been listening to and stuff like that. And then Confused Breakfast, um, uh, kind of started, I, I think your show, uh, started like was spurred out of the pandemic, right, Ted? Oh yeah. Okay. So our, our, um, I do the show with, uh, my, uh, host with, um, uh, uh from I'm Super Stoked, AJ Vans and Mike Schulte. Uh, and Mike Schulte just, uh, we, we've had him on, I'm super stoked of like, I don't know, four times. And, uh, he wanted to do a show with us just to talk, just to talk about movies and review uh, a movie and episode. And so that's what that, uh, show kind of does. We just, we take a movie and break it down usually from eighties, nineties to two thousands. I think our cutoff we discussed is 2005. Uh, and so we'll be discussing any movies, um, in that, uh, area right there. Yeah, I've, I always love your content because you guys, obviously, uh, we seem to be around the same age group. And so a lot of the stuff you cover is stuff I loved and watched growing up. Like uh, you guys recently had a Harry and Henderson's episode. Uh, <laughs> it, one that I feel like is criminally underrated. Like uh, I do too, man. I do too. Some of the best makeup ever done. I mean, easily the best Bigfoot makeup ever done in a film. But uh, 100%. When yeah. I was a kid, I 100% thought that Harry was completely real. Like I watched it. My dad, uh, it was one of his favorite movies. And uh, I just, I never did see the, the TV series that spawned from it, but uh, <laughs> love the movie. And, and you're also in a new band, right? Yeah, uh, a band we, we've been playing for, well, we've been together for about two years. Uh, I used to be in a band called uh, A Casual Affair, which um, I guess we're not even really done yet, but uh, it's, I've been doing that for 10 years, just a hardcore band. And then um, some members in that band just kind of went on and got families and stuff like that, and that's totally cool. So I wanted to keep playing, uh, and so I just kind of made a, a new, whole new thing, and 
just booked our first show um, since, you know, the pandemic and everything, just put a hold to everything. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Really excited to get out and play and uh, get to Muscatine area and anything that we can do. Yeah, I don't know how we never really, uh, I don't think we've actually met face to face, but we've been at the same place at the same time. We have a lot of mutual right. friends. It's it's a weird thing because like I was in bands growing like through high school into college. Oh, cool. uh, Ghost, I, I went and seen every local band around here, uh, you know, go to shows all the time. Uh, I have tons of friends who are in the music scene in the area. It's like, I don't know how we haven't really crossed paths as far as uh just hanging out but it's 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 a strange thing when you find someone in the area that has like the same interests the same tastes uh just likes everything you sort of like and i think i actually like realize or i found discovered you i guess was uh i think you and uh aj might have come to the to burlington to the capitol theater for the monster squad uh wolfman's yeah. got nards night and I think you guys like tagged the Capitol or something and I run their Facebook page and I was like, Oh, cool. Oh, you know, it's weird when we don't, I don't recognize somebody at an event. So I was like, Oh, who are these guys, you know, added you on Facebook and it's like, Oh shit, this guy has the same taste as I do. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just f fun to find, discover like that there's other people out there that somehow you never met. But, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that was an excellent event, man. I, I, we, we did an episode just like kind of solely about that event and, and about, uh, uh wow monster squad in general because we we just love that movie so much and um it was, it was such a good documentary and and having andre there and uh I, you booked him right you, you yep. guys were okay yeah and yeah it was he was so affable and so cool uh just hanging out with everyone and we had such a good time uh that we just we just had to like record and gush about it and like you guys just did such a phenomenal job and yeah, I, I remember like I, I remember seeing like the Attack of the Killer podcast like merch table and everything like that. I'm like, oh shit, I've listened to those. I've listened to some of those episodes. Yeah, and it was just like a thing. I was like, I just we were going. Our, our friends were uh, who play in a Foo Fighters cover band were uh, playing that night too, so we wanted to go catch them too. So we didn't really stick around all that much. Yeah, uh, they probably play down at the Washington. We're pretty lucky. We have like a uh, really cool theater and music venue and, and lots of great restaurants right in the same area. So it's like always, obviously not the last year, but before then there's always something going on. So, uh, right. you know, fingers crossed, we get back to doing stuff like that. Um, that one sort of just fell in our lap and, uh, I reached out just shot in the dark and, you know, Hey, we'd like to show your, your film. And Andre couldn't have been, it's it always nice when like the celebrities are, nicer than you would ever expect like right <laughs> like we, we went and picked him up from the airport and and we were like we can take you back to your hotel he's like let's go get some food and drinks man like oh right on yeah and that was the night before and you know we hung out and uh just a sweet guy he he wanted to make sure like you know he met every it, we went to a restaurant my friend owns he's like you know bring out the owner i want to say thanks and everything oh, and cool. just a sweet guy we've had a great track record with with these kinds of events and uh, you know, attack the killer podcast. We did, we did an episode on the event too. And, uh, he surprised us and showed up and was like, I'm going to sit in on the episode. So oh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. 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 So, so just that was just pure luck on that end. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really cool night. And like I said, that's sort of how I discovered who you are. But, um, when I reached out after I've seen you guys just going crazy with your podcast, uh, confused breakfast is blowing up like, it seems like you guys just started this. Yeah. During the pandemic and it's, it's like going viral. You guys are getting all kinds of hits on TikTok. It's awesome to see you guys rise so fast. 
Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, my, Mike is a, he's a marketing wizard and I don't know how he does it. And uh, he just kind of threw, threw our uh, voices on, onto some video and put them on TikTok and stuff like that. And people have been responding. It's, it's been kind of crazy. And uh, the response, um, people uh, call, we have like a call in line as well. And people calling in, it's just been crazy. And um, it just makes makes you want to do it more, but you know, like all all the movies that we cover make us want to do it more than. I mean, that's what made us want to do it in the first place is just the love of these things and diving into them. Um, like we're gonna work, like we're about to do with this is is just a passion of mine and always has been. So it's it's really really fun and really lucky to uh, get so many people who like it so far. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it, you know, outside of great marketing and and being on top of what's popular, like TikTok, like right now, that's the, yeah. the app, you know? Um, but it's also, I mean, you guys are, are picking movies that are so, and you're talking about movies that are so near and dear to people's hearts. I mean, so nostalgic. You guys are just picking the, the right things at the right time. Like people who listen to podcasts are around our age. Um, and that, those are the things they grew up watching. They want to, it's like, it's a like comfort for me. I do the same thing. Like, uh, my, one of my favorite podcasts is Zach to the Future, where they talk about a single episode of um, ba- or uh, Say by the Bell every episode with with Mark <laughs> Paul Gossler, and it's like I freaking love it. He he doesn't remember a single episode of of uh, of Say by the Bell, and hearing him like rewatch the episodes <laughs> and just like cringe, you know, it's it's awesome, and it's we're in like a golden age where if you have any kind of interest, there's probably five podcasts at least about that specific thing. Oh, 100%. It's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's like a great way and an easy and cheap way for people to create stuff, you know, and it has the pros and cons. There's a ton of not great podcasts. There's a ton sure. of great stuff, you know, and there's probably been thousands that were started during the pandemic that are already over. But um, when yeah, I reached out to have you, point. As a guest, uh, I asked you if there was anything, because I think you guys just did Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and that was a first-time watch for you, correct? Right, yeah, I, I sat down. I mean, I, I I have obviously known about it when the zeitgeist of nostalgia and everything like that, like Keanu Reeves, and I just know about it, you know, be excellent to each other. And being such a huge fan of movies, it's just like, yeah, I've, I've seen that. And so I sat down to watch it again. I was like, actually, I don't know any of this. And <laughs> It was. Just, I'm like, what? Okay, I, you know, I try. I taught myself. I, I, I think to be this kind of movie buff, but uh, there's some blind spots here and there, and yeah. Well, that's exactly what we sort of celebrate on here. Is like, own up to it, and I talk about it almost every episode. But it's weird in the film circles. Like, you, I'm the same way. Like, where I feel like I've seen a movie, and uh, either I'm just lying to myself, or I, it's just so ingrained in pop culture that you feel like you've seen it. But um, other times, if you haven't seen like a classic, it's almost overbearing to let people know you haven't seen it because you're you're just going to get so much grief for it. Oh, man, you haven't seen it. How have you not seen it? It's like it's easier just to say, like, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I don't really you know, I need to revisit it or something. It's easier to lie right. about it. And and this show is all about like own up to it. Let's sit down, watch it, talk about it. You got it off the list because I have so many. Like people, it blows people's minds. Um, the episode that's coming out right before this. By the time you're listening to this, um, I finally watched my very first James Bond movie. Never had oh, seen wow. a single one. The, the biggest, probably the longest franchise in film history. Twenty six films. Never seen one. I knew all the you know 
uh, Connery accent, uh, all the opening sequences, uh, Pierce Brosnan, all that stuff. Played the video game all the time. Never saw a full movie, so I I got that out of the way. Um, Never seen Lord of the Rings movie. Uh, You know, just one of those (laughs) things. You're probably like, how did this 007 game spawn so many movies after this? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, it's another one of those things. It's like so ingrained in pop culture, like you said, with Bill and Ted. Uh, it's like I felt like I've seen like at least one of uh, every Bond, every actor who's played at one of his movies, but I have only seen what trailers and clips and other stuff. I've seen all the... Uh, Austin Powers movies about a dozen times. So I feel sort of it's it, that was a trip, man. Like watching um, a bond, your first bond movie after you've seen Austin Powers, I'm, I'm taking things the wrong way. It's like, I shouldn't be watching them after it totally makes, makes me jaded watching uh 007. Cause I'm like, Oh, now I see. But I just sort of laugh at things. Cause, cause Austin Powers just parodied everything. Yeah, uh, but I reached out to you and I asked, you know, what haven't you seen? And you had a, not at all embarrassing list. I was like, okay, some like most of these are pretty like most, you know, film buffs might say that you should see them, but for the most part, your movies were pretty obscure. And one that was on your list that you sort of uh, prioritize and one that I love introducing people to. And, and this no, is interesting cool. because I usually have people on here to watch movies that I adore and gush over but this one is one that I don't necessarily love, but I think it's a great first time watch for anybody. You definitely gush over it, though. Oh. Movies gush, I can tell you that. Yeah, that's that's definitely the right word for it. Um, so today we're going to talk about society. For Bill Whitney. I've never been paranoid. Fear plays a large part in family life. I feel like something's going to happen. And... If I scratch the surface, there'll be something terrible underneath. He's afraid his sister... Could you zip me up, Billy? ...is not what she seems. God, Bill, what's the matter with you? He thinks his friends are out to get him. Make waves, Whitney. You're going to drown. People are what they are. Now you have to learn to accept that. He's about to find out the truth. Why, why are you guys doing this to me, huh? What, you've been living with these people all your life and you didn't know anything about this? Is far worse than he could ever imagine. If you don't follow the rules, Billy, bad things happen. Didn't you know, Billy boy? The rich have old sucked off low-class scum like you. Uh-oh, guy. Clarissa? so intense. Now, some people make the rules, and some people follow the rules. It's a question of what you're born to. You never were one of us. You know, you really deserve what's going to happen to you. I, I don't think so. Wait. Can't you see they're setting you up for something? You know how I hate to give you drugs. You're officially dead. Don't go home, Billy. No, 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 no. Bill Whitney is about to become one Showtime, Billy! with society. <laughs> Who are you? Let me give you a hand, Bill. <laughs> In Beverly Hills, what you fear is only the beginning. Anything for society. <laughs>
Okay, Society was released June 11th, 1992, after sitting on the shelf for almost three years. Um, written by Rick Fry and Woody Keith, directed by Brian Yuzna in his, Yuzna in his uh, directorial debut. Um, holds a 62% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Stars Billy Warlock, who is the son of uh, stunt actor Dick Warlock, who played right, Michael yeah. Myers in Halloween 2 um, as Bill Whitney. We have Heidi Kozak as Shauna, who's his blonde girlfriend. Uh, Evan Richards as Milo. His best friend, Tim Bartell as Blanchard, his uh, another one of his friends, his boyfriend or his uh, sister's sort of boyfriend, um, Ben Meyerson <laughs> as Ferguson, who's sort of the rich asshole at the school. Um, Brian Bremer as Marty Petrie, the other rich asshole who's running against him as like student council, student president, whatever. Um, Patrice Jennings as Jenny Whitney, his sister, uh, Charles Lucia as Jim Whitney, his dad. Concetta Diangdis as Nan Whitney, his mother. Um, Devin DeVasquez as Clarissa Carolyn, his his girlfriend towards the end of the movie. And then Pamela Matheson as Mrs. Carolyn, uh, her mother. So, man. What a stacked cast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is a, man, I, I don't even know where to start. What, what did you know going into this movie about society? So, I, I think like you, right, you're, you're uh, a fan of, or you... I guess you were um, a fan of uh, Shockwaves and uh, what, what were they before that? Um, yeah, I know what you're talking. I don't remember their their original name, but uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, uh, ooh, it's a Killer POV. Okay, I, I listened to that podcast so so much, and that got me like uh, uh, like just so many references to movies that I put on my list, and I would mark off my list. And in particular, uh, I my taste kind of. Uh, falls in line with one of the hosts on there, uh, Elric Kane. Oh, yeah, Elric's awesome. <laughs> He's such a cool dude. And uh, I remember they talked about this all the time, and um, they said it was goopy. Like, that was like a huge verb that they used for this movie. And um, I'm a part of a, a group on Facebook called Movie Boner, and me, they talk about it all the me time. Me too, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're on there. Uh, they talk about it all the time, and I'm just like, I need to see this, but... These movies like this that are like blind spots for me, I, I want to kind of wait until theaters just because that's more special for me. And so there's a there's a theater here uh, in Iowa called Film Scene uh, that I loved. I mean, I, I still love. It's just, you know, I haven't been there in a while. Um, so I was hoping they would get it sometime, but uh, they just haven't. And uh, it's just been kind of this like legend in my lists that I list of movies that I haven't seen and so when you asked me to be asked me to do this I was like it's I I'm so I so want to do this one just cuz I need to get it out of here. Yeah, Ross, come on, get get playing it. I'm sure once like the <laughs> yeah. late night late shift at the grindhouse gets back in full swing uh you know society needs to make an appearance cuz this one like I said it's not like my a film I can even say I love, but uh, it's definitely something that is perfect for showing people. Like it's, it's reminds me of when I was in high school discovering certain movies and I was like, Oh, you got to see Ricky. O, or you got to see, Oh yeah. You know, man. these weird ass movies that um, house that eats like, how does this exist? Um, and looking back, I mean, 
filmed in 89 wasn't released until 92 here in the u.s i think it was it was released overseas in europe because they're a little more comfortable with like the weird sexuality of things not yeah, that I mean, not that this is like, normal anywhere um <laughs> <laughs> but wait wait How, you don't you don't think absorbing somebody into your butt is normal i mean i, I i'm very curious about this because people um you know brian usna gets credit for this all the time because he directed it but we really need to start questioning Rick Fry and Woody Keith because they wrote the thing. And I've always been curious about, and I still don't really have an answer as to like, if the weird goopy orgies at the end are actually in this, like were in the original screenplay or if that, if they sort of had these orgies and he made them extra weird because it's, it's a movie about how the rich eat the poor. It's about, um, society it's about society but it's about classes of people um and on its surface it's a pretty simple movie where like you don't fit in if you're poor and the rich suck off the poor uh you know it's probably more relevant right now than it was even back then (laughs) but what in the world convinced him to think like and let's make them turn into like a big piece of chewing gum that sucks off of each other like I I know Screaming Mad George did the special yeah. effects, um, and and obviously uh, Brian was a producer on Reanimator, and then went on mm-hmm. to do Direct Bride and Beyond Reanimator. Uh, yeah, I think he had like a he had a, a two picture deal with uh, whoever released this, and um, he wanted this film first, and then he said he would do the the sequel to Reanimator, so he could get this movie definitely made. You know. Yeah, and. You know, that's the only I mean, I just can't imagine what it was like trying to pitch this to a studio, even if you had a two picture deal. It's like, is the sequel to Reanimator that big of a deal where they're like, all right, do this weird ass movie. I mean, you listen to like his I would imagine you hear his pitch and it's like, oh, that's not something that will ever be released in a theater like no one's going to go see that. And obviously when they filmed it, they're like, oh, we're going to put this on the shelf for three years, eventually put it out to a small number of theaters. And then it basically went back into hibernation until maybe like that wave of, of weird like arrow and synapse and all these uh, Mm -hmm. sort of boutique labels were going out and finding these lost gems that never made it past VHS uh, and eventually put out, you know, a remastered like DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. And, and now it's a huge cult classic, but it's like, I can't imagine going in 92 to sit in a theater and seeing this. Like, what the fuck, man? Well, yeah, when you say uh, Keith and, and Fry, the writers, when, like, how, how could someone's mind come up with this stuff, especially towards the end? And, and it also brings to mind, like, the question of, or, like, was any of that in the script, like, describing, like, he calls him butthead, so, like, let's literally make him a butthead. <laughs> you know? um, I guess that's pretty simple, but, like, it makes you think, like uh, Rob Bottin on the thing, like I mean, that's none of that stuff's got to be scripted. Like none of that's got to be written out and descriptive or anything like that. That's got to come from some madman, madman's mind. And I mean, you know, screaming Mad George, it, it's kind of fitting, I guess. I, it's got to be his doing. Would you? Would you think? Like I, his... Yeah, I know that he said that he was inspired by Salvador Dali paintings, which makes a lot of sense yeah. now seeing that. But still, like the imagery, yeah, but like it doesn't even i don't know man like the, i've seen this probably 
five or six times over the last couple of years. Uh, oh, I'm so jealous. I've seen it um, for for Attack the Killer podcast. Then I watched it uh, just to show. I, after I saw it, I had to show it to a few of my friends who are love <laughs> yeah. seeing weird shit. And then I know I, I watched it on The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs and then rewatched it last night with uh, The Last Drive-In because I just like to get some insight into it. And uh, yeah, it's just it's sort of just like one of those things where I've seen it so many times and I don't really, I can't really even explain the ending. I mean, basically we're not going to go through the whole story, but basically this kid, Billy feels like an outcast in his own family. Um, he feels Mm -hmm. like something's going on with his family and that he's his, he has a psychiatrist who treats him like he's sort of paranoid. Um, he's, he's like, breaking down completely convinced that uh his, there's there's something some secret being he's like a conspiracy theorist almost and uh one day his sister's boyfriend breaks into the house um while he's playing <laughs> basketball and uh you know sort of screaming like i just need to talk to you I just need to talk to you down the road he ends up having this tape um that has some very promiscuous weird talk on it like his sister <laughs> and his parents are going to copulate i'm reading here that a family engage in murderous orgy <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah the taglines are like uh it's a matter of good breeding really uh <laughs> yeah it just you know it, he eventually gets his tape it has yeah his parents talking about having sex with the sister so we we already getting some incest vibes. Uh, and then he's like, you know, takes his tape to a psychiatrist who, I mean, he's, he's a smarter guy in a, in a horror movie for being on top of things, but yeah, never I trust anyone with a tape, dude. Know, yeah. Take, take it there or, or maybe, you know, maybe the police. Right. You know, but nobody's trusting him. Yeah. Yeah. He wants, he, he wants his psychiatrist to know, like, I'm not paranoid. I'm not crazy. Listen to this now, you know, I, to, to the audience. It's like, well, yeah, his psychiatrist is in on this. Um, his his parents sort of look down on his friends because they're not as rich as them. He's like, you know, oh, your friend uh, outside, like, you know, oh, I don't know why you hang out with uh, trying to remember his his friends, uh, Milo. Right. Yeah. He, yep. He's like, you know, Milo. I saw Milo outside uh, and obviously Blanchard, you know, they, they're like, get out of the house. Leave my daughter alone, Blanchard. Um, eventually. There's by my surprise, there was a copy of the tape that Blanchard had. And when he goes to meet him to get the copy, Blanchard has been in this horrible car accident and he's dead. Um, So it just furthers his paranoia um, and to the point where he just basically goes off the rails um, and it's ruining his life. Eventually, uh, I'm jumping all over, but eventually he finds out that he was not crazy, that his family is absolutely a rich um, elite cult of sex fiends that have giant <laughs> orgies that they bring in like sacrifices of poor people and they suck the life out of them and God knows what else. Um, yeah, there's... Yeah, what was it? That, uh, Epstein's Island? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. This film just comes full circle, I'm assuming, like every 10 years. Yeah, when you read in the comments on like the YouTube, like the trailer uh, that we listen to, the people are oh. like, this is the weirdest documentary. Or, uh, <laughs> you know, people comment how this is like, this is how Hollywood really is, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, just not surprised at all. <laughs> there's a, just some really freaky scenes, ones that stand out to me, obviously. Um, the first sort of sign that we get something's 
physically going on is when his sister asks him to zip up her dress and there's like this bulge on her back and she's sweating. Um, And they they ramp it up slowly. Like it starts off with that. And then there's a scene where he walks in on his sister in the shower and her boobs are on her back. It's crazy. It, I was, I, that was, that was actually like, this movie needs praise for its, uh, its level, its level of tone and how it switches from here and there. And like, it's just surrealness because with, especially with that, uh, that shower door that they, that they chose to use for the film, uh, it was just kind of obscuring uh, every, like her body, obviously like one would do, but, uh, I that's like the, my favorite kind of shot in the movie. I think it was just like I I'm actually not sure what I'm looking at. You know, like backwards feet and everything, and then like obviously her butt's right there. But then I know I know tits aren't supposed to be there. But you know, <laughs> some people have them, and it's fine too. But yeah, I, it was just, wow. That, that actually disturbed me. Yeah, and the way like you said with the tone about this, there's like some some dark humor to it, but it's also like. I don't know how to even explain it. I would, I guess you could consider it a, a horror movie, um, yeah. but it's almost a black comedy in some ways. And it's also a social commentary. So it's, but it's balanced pretty well. Like it's net, there's never a like drag in this movie. This movie flies by. Um, and I mean, the last half hour is like the giant weird orgy scene. So yeah. we have that, a, a what, third of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and what's weird is that that scene is so, crazy and iconic that people remember that um sort of like sleepaway camp where people right so, focus so much on that that they forget some of the really weird shit in the actual movie like uh the mom like when he's at the beach and he's having a fight with his girlfriend they're going back and forth and he find he he catches oh, the yeah. eye of this new girl and then he runs into this really big woman that sort of reminds me of like <laughs> divine from uh, yeah. uh, Rogers uh, movies and it's yeah exactly and it's like what what is this they never really even close that part of the story because later on we find out it's her it's uh, her mom and it's like what 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 is this story she coughs up like a hairball at the house I'm guessing she had like a lobotomy or something uh, they never really get into it and I was I was super interested and it, it just seemed it seemed like I was like, oh, they're going to make her be like a kind of inf- an informant of, of some sorts of for the society and everything like that. And I'm just like, I, w- they never really revisited her after <laughs> like when she is with uh, I think it's she she's with Milo, right? Or Blanchard towards the end. Uh, Milo, because Bl- yeah, Milo's the one that's yeah. sort of trying to save uh, save Billy. Right. Yeah. So Ian Blanchard's dead. And then, yeah, I. I didn't know what they were doing with her, but I really enjoyed her. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know if she was, it was intentional, but it was like a, uh, comic relief. Um, yeah, maybe. I think when I first saw this, my reaction to that, to her was uh, that got a bigger, what the fuck than the actual scene at the end. Uh, just because it, they don't do any, <laughs> any really build up to it. They don't, like you said, they don't wrap it up anyways. They don't explain it. Um, she just sort of like, Billy asked uh, the girl, like, what's with her? And she's like, oh, n- don't mind her. I'm sorry. Like, uh, <laughs> it's Clarissa. Yeah, his the girl's Clarissa. And her, she's sort of a weird part in the story, too, because she's like, right. It doesn't really explains her in this movie either, because there's a scene where he's having sex with her. And then he he's like off the bed and looks over and she's twisted in a weird way. 
and and we're like is she one of them or not because at the mm-hmm. end they end up running away together um he, they say like he saves her from the the cult with the mom uh so was she part of this weird yeah. thing or not because oh, i was absolutely sure she was like it, like i was i saw her and like uh, the first time we see her i think she's just opening up her legs to him and i'm like well that's cool <laughs> but and then yeah the entire time i'm thinking well she's she's the you know the MacGuffin or she's the the one that's going to get him seduce him into this kind of weird thing that we're about to see or something like that and then you're right. Yeah, she she becomes that, and then like right before we're introduced to her mom, there she's serving him tea, and then she's like, "You want me to piss in it?" Yes, yes, and and they <laughs> and they play it completely straight. Yeah. Like there's no, he doesn't really even react to it. He's like, "Excuse me," and they move on, and we never figure out why. Um, <laughs> it, it's like a line from the room or something where it's like, it is, yeah. How did this make it through the? And how did they deliver this without? cracking and uh, yeah man Brian is lucky he's he's really lucky the writers in yuzna are lucky as as hell to get this made because obviously there is no studio being like you can't say that <laughs> like what what even is this like you can't do this you can't do any of this stuff and he's just doing what he wants i guess and that's it's awesome <laughs> yeah it's truly one of those films that um it's there's nothing else really comparative. I mean, the, the closest thing we have are like Cronenberg movies just from the body horror, but, right. but the, the dialogue, I mean, they're actually really good performances. Like I think, uh, Billy Warlock yeah, yeah. is actually pretty damn good. Everybody I is wanted to bring that up too. Yeah. He's, he's like really solid. I was really surprised. And like, it's kind of, I mean, obviously you're kind of waiting for the end and cause I knew what was coming obviously, cause I've known the legend of this movie, but and I, I was kind of afraid to watch it just because I'm like, I think the rest of the movies might be kind of boring, but he really holds it down. And he, like all of his reactions when he's scared and he really kind of pulls off that paranoid kind of um, act that he that he has. Yeah, I think uh, Patrice Jennings, who plays Jenny, his sister, is one of the standouts, too, because she like at the beginning of the movie, she she's like so cute and sort of uh, mm-hmm. nice. She's like the only one that really stands up for Billy and is like, you know, oh, don't worry about our parents. Like, you know, everything's OK. And she's sort of just sweet. And you're like you're almost tricked by her. And then at the end, you know, she's part of this cult. And it's it's like her coming out party that um, is is part of the story where, you know, she I guess they have, they don't show that, but you know, she goes to this coming out party eventually, like at the beginning of the movie where he's zipping up her dress. Um, and then, you know, towards the end is when we discover when he's invited to this big party. Um, but I might be ignorant here. I, I do need to find this out is a coming out party for her. Is it just like, she's old enough to fuck now. Is that, that's what I assume. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's like, um, uh, what's it for uh jewish kids when they're like become a man like a um, right the bar mitzvah exactly like in this weird um society because they they actually call it society it's like Mm -hmm. when you're part of this rich elite i guess you get like initiated with an orgy when you turn 18 or something love it i can't wait for mine (laughs) um one thing i noticed this watched i did not notice uh the last time was when uh the after Blanchard's killed in the car accident and they show up to the funeral and, and they have that whole moment where like his face caves in um, at his actual like viewing or funeral or whatever that was, I realized, Oh shit. Like they have uh, 
like the star of David, like it's, he's Jewish. And I'm like, Oh, so this is also like a little bit on the religious thing where it's like, he's looked down upon by these rich people for being a, a Jew. Oh yeah. And I didn't, I hadn't caught that in the, any of the first viewings, but this time it was clear, like at the church where he, his body was, I was like, Oh, that's, you know, probably, um, a little like, nudge or hint at like as to another class thing where they see themselves above him um yeah like i said i thought uh billy's performance was pretty good uh heidi kozak who played shauna his blonde girlfriend she was a little over the top for me uh (laughs) just always angry at billy um angry at everybody uh they they really made you like not care that he cheated on her right and and i think that was purposeful (laughs) (laughs) And, and the thing with uh Bill like hooking up with uh Clarissa is like to me when I'm watching this like Clarissa seemed like an adult and Bill was supposed to be in high school um clearly she was out of his league so that that's <laughs> where I was sort of like coming from was okay like clearly she's an informant or a seductress or something um right. it's gonna, she's going to turn at the end and and then when she doesn't it's almost a, uh it, it's sort of nice but then again like we go back to where she asked if she should piss in his cup and it's like is he still partially going crazy and hearing these things um right it makes you question like i think that might be like another tonal thing where they're just like let's just make it let's let's it's it's been kind of normal for like 10 minutes let's throw in something just to throw him off real quick you know yeah um eventually yeah we we do lead up to that giant orgy scene there's they capture him and uh take him to the hospital and that's where uh, Milo goes looking for him and they're like, Oh, he's in the mortuary or the whatever, where they keep the dead bodies. Um, and he's like, what the hell's going on? Um, so, so Milo sort of discovering like all this shit's crazy too. Um, eventually follows the ambulance when he gets out of the hospital, follows it back to the house. And that's where we get the, uh, weird giant orgy they like put them in one of those like things they catch the dogs with like the wire on a stick um they lead him and i think dude don't they lead like we find out that blancher's not dead and they they lead him in and he's like the one Mm -hmm. the first sacrifice like apparently they had used like a model or a dummy or something of blanchard at his actual funeral and then used him as a sacrifice well yeah when you when you say that uh um Clarissa, right? It seemed kind of out of his league. Yeah, I I thought Blanchard seemed out of his sister's league, but I was like, well, maybe he was funny before he went crazy. You know, that's that's always a thing. But then, then he comes to the to the shunting, and the guy's like, I I need that mole. I want that mole right now. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I guess she was attracted to moles. That's that's fun. I good for her. Yeah, the the butthead scene is probably the most memorable, just because you know he's like, you know, butthead, ha, I get it, and. uh one that always stick that's the one that always sticks in my mind but like even uh the, the i mean watching it on the last drive and they talked like joe bob talks a lot about the shunting and he talks about uh the incest and then the incest on incest uh you know whole families having orgies together but mm-hmm. it, it's sort of i think was it ever revealed i don't remember if bill bill's actually uh he's adopted right he's not actually in the family and that's why he's sort of getting sacrificed. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, they just been, they've been grooming him, I guess that's his entire life. Um, but, and then like, it makes me question, I guess it was just a dream, but in the beginning when he's got the knife and it's a total like Halloween 
kind of uh, rip off, I guess, where he's just grabbing the knife first person in, in the drawer. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that dream kind of confused me a little bit. I'm just like, is it just another? Uh, is he just recalling this to his therapist, or? And yeah, it wasn't really clear, but I think I got the feel that, well, when when I see the shunting, that he was uh, adopted or taken from something or somewhere, you know. Yeah, because uh, at one point I think it's it's his doctor, I think his uh, psychiatrist or the judge is what they call him. One of those two uh, tells actually says something like, um, "You're an act. You're a different species from the rest of us." He says, right. and. Uh, that was interesting where it's like, is it, is that literal or is that like, uh, another like mm-hmm. figure of speech of like, we see you as, as such a subhuman, uh, because you're not one of us that you, we consider you a, di- a different species. Yeah. It's interesting. I think you could take it both ways. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's just because you're such a lower class than me. You, you're not even, you're not, you're scum. You're like a bug, you know, uh, or yeah, it could be actually literal. But he says like we're not aliens, you know. We're we're not. Uh, we're we're just. I, I don't know what he says they are. Do, do they ever just a society, right? They just kind of categorize themselves as that, right? Yeah, sort of like a a weird shunting cult. Uh, I mean, the special effects, like you said, are, are just goopy. They all sort of look bubble gummy. They have these like long, stretchy <laughs> yeah. mouths, and they form into this one giant blob of a thing there's scenes that i think are more disturbing to me or when like the fingers are going in yeah like the penetration of the fingers into these things uh mm-hmm. like the blobby flesh is is really weird obviously the scene there's a scene where he like shoves a fist up the ass uh <laughs> <laughs> uh just you know some people like it it's fine yeah yeah mm-hmm. not no judgment on your kinks but um the way that they do it with all the the so gooey and how they sort of absorb they literally like not only like suck the life out of them but they like absorb them into their bodies and now it's like part of them uh and like sort of like pull them inside out like, right that, that i it was really cool when he he uh went up his butt and then all the way through his mouth and he got him like a bowling ball and then just kind of inside out of him you know dig loved his whole body i guess it was it was really cool and i i, I read that uh i don't know if it was yesna or uh screaming at george because of working on uh reanimator and stuff like that they didn't want like a lot of blood they wanted just like all of the ky you know yeah i imagine that's how they got an r rating um because the mpaa is so strange about that uh, you know, Evil Dead got away with it by making like the blood dark, dark red or brown rather than right. than bright red. Um, you know, you can have fisting and and literal assholes as faces, but like <laughs> don't incest. show too yeah, and incest, but don't show too much blood. You know, uh, yeah, it's so stupid. I'm yeah, I I still am surprised that this got an R rating because it definitely seems like something that would be have to be at least NC seventeen. Yeah, it's it's pretty just because like it's it's just so shocking I think that it's like I've never seen something like this before and you know yeah in references to just like fisting pretty much and then incest and everything like that. Does did it kind of um it, it kind of reminded me of a a couple different films. Uh one one that predated this and then one that came after. One that predated it was I think my favorite Cronenberg movie um uh shivers oh yeah absolutely 
just the sexual nature and everything like that, and it was kind of gross in that in that movie. And then one that's kind of like that as well, with with the slugs going in the mouth, uh, Slither. Yep. Uh, James Gunn Slither, I, I, and and just like the the alien absorbing people, it, it kind of had that kind of look to it, and it was. It's really cool to see probably where he got that from this movie. Yeah, that creature design from um, Slither as he like progressively gets like more and more um, like alien and creature like. I can definitely see some influence on that. And, uh, you know, now you could not only would you not be able to make this movie because of the subject matter um, and no (laughs) one would ever give you money to make it, um, but also just practical effects like this don't exist in films anymore. It's just, I, I, you know, they said that they had like people under the floors. Uh, it was like a giant puppet. And every time they cut back to the scene, it was like a whole new puppet with extra bodies added to it. And there's several people underneath, like operating all the limbs. And I don't even know if you call them limbs at that point, because they're conjoined into (laughs) one blob thing. But the, the design is like a, I was not surprised to find out it was in, inspired by uh, Salvador Dali, but it's like, it's not just, it, that's the same thing with like John Carpenter's a thing is that the, you, we've seen so many crazy creature and monster and alien designs over the years, but uh, you know, there's only a handful that really stick out and there's, there's nothing that was like this really before it and after it, as far as uh, the actual design of the effects. Right, it is extremely, extremely unique, and it, and and something like this should be herald like Harry and the Hendersons, like that should. I, mean, I think that did win an Oscar, but yeah, it should be heralded as um, like a kind of a masterpiece by Screw Mad George, and uh, just the just the design itself, where where a, a, a freak of nature his brain goes, I can't imagine um if it's kind of like a hive mind of like the writer writers in yesna and screen mad george or just screen mad george himself but um i i wonder if it was like he somebody read the line butthead and was like you know what would be funny <laughs> you know and then just literally just do it and it's it's great it's iconic now you know yeah it's that's what like you know like i, I talked about a little bit earlier it's like I imagine they had to sort of hiring him. They had this in mind of like, we have to do some crazy practical effects. It's not like they thought these were going to be normal orgies, hired the craziest gonzo makeup effects artist. And then he came up with it, but they probably just were like, we need these weird scenes where the, these people absorb other people. Um, Let's see what he comes up with, like a combination of, the spawning of the idea and then asking him to design it and come up with it. So it could be like on screen feasible. Cause it's right in the bright light. It's not like it's done in the dark yeah. where we just see like parts of it. I mean, it's all That's done right point. in front of your face. And, and you know, we just don't see a whole lot of that anymore. I, and it's obviously I know you're a fan of practical, probably over CGI, but uh, it's right. Am I safe in assuming that? Oh Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's 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 just what our eyes love to see, especially when you know that work went into that. And I know work goes into CGI, but work went into that being made so people could see it on set too. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, I'm assuming because I was I was even going to say to the judge, um, and uh, right, the judge isn't there the judge and the therapist are they two separate people? Yep, they're separate they people. Yep. Okay. They, especially when the shunting was going on, they 
hyped up their performance to a whole nother level. And it was really, really fun to see them too. Uh, and it was just, it was fun to see this entire set of the cast, I guess, to go crazy with this. And they were all into it. They were like, I can't imagine being an extra or just like even a featured or like the sister or something like that. Right. Bearing it all. And then just being like, yeah, you're going to, so what's going to happen now? You're going to lay on this person and, and then uh, you're going to uh, absorb into him <laughs> and then you're going to pull out and then you guys are going to go upstairs to fuck. Yeah. You, you and your dad and your mom that you guys are going to go upstairs. And I'm like, what, what? Oh <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I wonder about that too. Not only like the pitch, but like, you had, they had to send the script out. People had to audition. Um, they had to read the script and be like, this is something I want to be in. Uh, you know, it's not like it was like they lost a bet or something had to be in the movie. And then, yeah, right. on set, they're seeing this and it's like, this will work out and this will be a movie that people will want to see. Like you you'd think like the, you know, down the road, the actors would just be like uh, totally just either completely embarrassed to let their family see this. Not that it's a bad movie, but like, I can't imagine right. like them sitting in the theater with mom and it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm having sex with my on-screen mom and dad. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> how do you how do you show this to your family when it's about incest and sex? And not only that, but it's about the, the, the finale is just not something that I would like. My worst nightmare would be like sitting in a room with either of my parents watching something like this, you know, and, and they had yeah, to get I real mean, actors it's... that are talented uh, to read it and agree to it and be on the set and play it straight too. Hey, it's kind of like being in a, a hardcore metal band, you know, and like my mom's just like, good job, honey. I don't get it, but good job. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, like, yeah. I did the best I could, I guess, you know, it, it, it was work. Well, I have all kinds of trivia um, that I found on this one uh, that I think is very interesting. But real quick, let's hear from the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. All right. So when I was uh, like, again, watching this for the second time on The Last Drive-In, uh, Joe Bob always has some great insight and combined that with what I found on IMDb to be interesting about this. Um, I'm going to go over some of this and, and discuss it. But the, the thing I always found very interesting about this, um, obviously, Brian Usna was sort of a... Um, he had Stuart Gordon as a mentor. Like he worked with him on a lot of his mm -hmm. movies uh, from beyond and reanimator uh, produced those. And then um, an actor's director, if, if there ever was one. Right. Right. And so uh, what I always found interesting is Stuart Gordon and Brian Usna came up with the concept for a film they called teeny weenies. That movie later became honey. I shrunk the kids. Um, they, <laughs> yeah. they actually wrote the story for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Um, they, Stuart Gordon was set to direct it. They, they wanted to make a film that their kids could see, and they hadn't done it up to that point. 
Um, so they came up with this movie. Uh, when they, they pitched it to Disney, Disney was in sort of a rut at the time. Uh, didn't have a whole lot of hits. It was like the tail end of their animated stuff uh, and just sort of getting into some of the live action stuff that wasn't being as big of a hit as they thought it was. Um, but they, they pitched this movie called Teeny Weenies, which they said, first things first, we love the idea, but we cannot call it Teeny Weenies. It sounds like a porn. Um, <laughs> but they hired them, ended up hiring them. Uh, they, they hired them to come up with a story. Stuart Gordon was set to direct, I guess, right before pre or right before filming was set to go. They had already done pre-production. They had the, the money. They had it set to go. Um, Stuart Gordon got really, really sick. So, uh, they did not want to wait on him. They loved the idea and they needed a hit. So they fired him. Um, he couldn't do it. So they replaced him with a new director. And as when Stuart got fired, they took Brian and fired him at the same time. Um, so, but they both got credits for the story and they still made money off of it. And they still do make money off all the spinoff sequels if they use the same characters. Um, but it's just crazy to think, the guy who did fucking incest orgy bubblegum goo <laughs> was like, and honey, I shrunk the kids with Rick Moranis. Um, mm-hmm. It makes sense in the sense that like those movies are sort of like old, like Jason and the Argonauts and these old timey, like m- right. monster movies that like that's, there's like a kid's version of that. It makes sense. But um, when I found that out, it just sort of blew my mind. Yeah, it's just like let's make a let's make a, a miniature movie, but make it a, a gigantic movie instead. You know, uh-huh. we'll, we'll over overbloat the sets and everything like that to uh, make it this Jason the Argonauts kind of thing. It's it's. Re- it, I remember watching that movie, and um, when I found out that they had a hand in it, I'm just like, no way. I no, I can't see it. Yeah, I can you especially after watching? This. Yeah, like like I can imagine some parents are like, my kids really liked that. Let's see what the director has also done. <laughs> Reanimator. Let's watch that. How about Society? Um, no, that that pop it on. Yeah, that was a uh, Honey I Shrunk to Kids, man. Like that was a big part of my childhood. That that was always something that was so cool to me. And uh, they said that like stewart and brian came up with the idea i think maybe brian himself um this idea when he was a kid like laying in his grass in his backyard like what if i could ride an ant or a bee like what if i was so small i could ride <laughs> these things and they decided to do that and uh and, and we're not going to talk about i'm sure you guys might have an episode down the line on honey i shrunk the kids but um we definitely will oh, yeah. but uh they were talking about the practical effects and some of the stuff they had was like they wanted to have them fly on a needle, but Disney was like, we can't afford that. So he changed it to them being in like a, a giant bowl of Cheerios, like every uh, stunt. So yeah. Every like stunt or sort of um, set piece that they did, they, they were like, what would be affordable to do practical? Like, Oh, well we could just build giant Cheerios. That's pretty affordable and put them in like milk colored water. And, and that's much mm-hmm. easier than making them fly, you know? And uh, just the genius of like, thinking that they actually came up with that like when they were writing it like okay we need to change this in the actual story so that it's practically that it can actually be made oh, okay uh so you know they they like i said they actually did everything and they, they had connected with the screenwriter to basically take their story and make it you know a screenplay um and that the guy they had picked to do it actually is credited as a screenwriter he actually did end up keeping he was the only one that got to keep his keep the job um, oh, wow. and, and they said they have no hard feelings against the new director. Cause he was, you know, they, they were in a spot where the Stewart was sick and they, they needed to move on. But I, I do think it's sort of shitty that they fired, uh, Yuzna 
because of his partner getting sick. Like, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, no, you saying that, uh, him, his like inspiration of it, uh, when he's just laying in the grass or whatever, I think I did read or uh, listen to like a YouTube video like that, where Brian Yuzna, he did like have a dream of some of the, some of the effects that, uh, or like some of the creature designs in society. So, Oh yeah. Maybe it's him. Maybe, (laughs) maybe it's Green George and, I don't know, but yeah, maybe it's like a combination of that um, uh, the, the that painter, I guess. I can't remember. Oh, name. Dolly, yeah, Salvador Dolly. Dolly, yeah, yeah. And uh, so he just probably looked at one of those paintings and dreamt it, and he's like, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, yeah, because there's, I think there was a specific painting uh, called like the Masturbator or something that he did mm-hmm. uh, that, that really inspired them. So it was like, I didn't even know Dolly. Uh, I went to art school and, and took art history, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know he, Dolly did a lot of really sexual things too, but... Uh, while shooting the infamous shunting scenes, Brian Yuzna would put a sign on the soundstage door that read, Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, I, I think, is very useful. Um, but it's, it's, it's just, the, should just been the tagline of the movie, really. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, anyone who goes into this, just be forewarned. Um, this one's interesting. Brian Yuzna cited the spiral staircase from 1946 and Rosemary's baby from 68 as the film's biggest influences, particularly in terms of paranoia as a major element. Um, Rosemary's baby. I could see that for sure. One of those on my list that I have never seen. Oh, really? Okay, nice. I just picked up the spiral staircase from, uh, the Kino Lorber sale probably three or four months ago. Uh, and finally got that one off the list. Fantastic. But I've never seen Rosemary's baby and I can't, I, I haven't found anyone who loves it enough to, to come on the show and talk about it. Oh, I'd be interested to hear that episode for sure. Yeah. I, and when you say that, uh, like people who haven't seen a movie, it's like, I can't believe it. I, can't, I don't know if we can be friends anymore. I think it's exciting. You know, I'm oh, just yeah. like, Oh, I haven't seen, I think I, don't, I haven't seen the big Lebowski or something like that. I was like, Ooh, good for you. Like, nice. Well, you know, it's exciting because that means you can introduce them. Like, oh, we should watch it together. So, and I, I love watching people like being in a room when someone sees something for the first yeah. time. Um, this actually answers some of our questions. Uh, this next one, Brian Yuzna claims he back engineered the film's plot points based on special effects ideas or gimmicks, stating he was more interested in the surrealism of the story than the logic. Hmm. Let's see. I I uh, I I commend that actually. You know, some, sometimes you just kind of kind of throw out something in uh, in a case of a you know don't don't uh, don't print the or print the legend. Don't you know? That's I uh, I commend him for that. Yeah, I mean it, I, it makes some sense because it's like if you've seen you know some Italian horror movies, people always are like, I don't get it. Like, what's happening in this movie? It's like, you're just be along for the ride, the visuals, you know, it's not necessarily yeah, so how much. how you feel. Exactly. Uh, I mean, any David Lynch film at all, ever, like, besides Dune, really, uh, is like, what the fuck's going on? I, I just, I'm just here for the ride. Same thing, you know? Yeah. You gotta take your time with it. You gotta watch it multiple times. And, you know, not, not a lot of people are like that much into movies as we are, I guess, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, director Brian Yuzna got to direct his film by agreeing to direct Bride of Reanimator. Uh, his only stipulation was that society be a film first. So you mentioned that one earlier. Uh, so it's sort yeah. of like, you know, I, I get to do my project, but I'll do yours after I do it. I've, I've seen a few uh, directors do that before. I don't think that really happens a lot anymore. 
uh but right. it's it's cool to think like you know he he sort of had he put up an ultimatum like get this weird ass movie made and then i'll do your sequel that you want yeah one of the i think one of the uh, later ones is actually speaking of dune uh, Neville Neuve, who uh is, is directing the new one uh I think he got um, Prisoners greenlit, but uh, he wanted to make Enemy before that. And but Prisoners came out before Enemy did. It's kind of a weird thing. Like so, in in the uh, pantheon of his films, Prisoners comes first, but he made Enemy first. It's kind of weird. okay. Yeah. So I mean, now especially now with the way films are this last year films are being pushed back uh delayed set on a shelf uh that people are like studios for a while weren't sure what to do with things it's a little more common but um it's crazy like like this one sat on the shelf for three years uh they just I, and that it's not really that crazy because i imagine studios like what the fuck how do we even market this how do you show any of this on a trailer on tv to, to bring audiences in, how do you even, uh, as someone who's in marketing, like I would have no idea what, what the hell to do. I mean, this would be something more of that would be on like shutter now, like a, a, a yeah, streaming network, a specialized for people who like this kind of stuff. But it's crazy that, you know, this was theatrical and they tried to sort of make it um, a major release. Um, well, I think that, uh, that recent underwater with, uh, with uh, Chris and Stewart, I think that was shelved for a couple of years or something like that. It's like, why? Yeah. When, you know, when like, I finally saw it, it was awesome. It's great. Yeah. Uh, the other one I think of is, uh, Michael Doherty's trick or treat. It sat on the shelf for like three oh, years true, and then went straight to video. And it's, it's like you go to spirit Halloween and every fucking thing on the shelf is, is Sam. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sam, yeah. yeah. You've never seen like a, a straight to video movie have such a big thing. And it's amazing. We still don't have a sequel, but, um, you know, it's sometimes I wonder if studios just don't know what they have on their hands. In this case, I, I'm surprised this didn't go straight to video. Um, it's, yeah. it's a very small group of people who would like this kind of weird shit. But uh, yeah, uh, the original script had a very different finale where the secret society was revealed as a cult that was out to sacrifice Billy for his own for its own crazy reasons. Brian Usna, however, wanted a much more fantastic revelation, so he and makeup artist Screaming Mad George came up with the idea of the society being monstrous creatures that ate the lower class. So that answers that nice. question. All right. So originally, yeah, it, it sounds pretty much like, okay, I got this crazy, this, I got Screaming Mad George. Let's have them yeah. be monstrous creatures. Um, and and it let's go it, as literal as possible with our metaphor you know right i mean right on you know wearing it right on their sleeve there's it right on the nose it couldn't <laughs> be more obvious uh there's it's no no uh george romero movie where it's like is this <laughs> is this a social commentary or is he just being uh you know fatigued no this is right on the nose there's no question about it mm -hmm. Uh, and then the last one I had was one we already sort of talked about. A dozen crew members were used to work on the large contorted puppet for the shunting finale. The puppet was moved from beneath the stage floor where the crew members were concealed. Oh, man. Do you? Okay. I know this is out on Arrow. But do you have the Arrow version of, of I, this? I do not. I, um, I, actually, I don't think so. I, I, this is not okay. one I own because it's been on, uh, it's been streaming on Shutter for quite a while and I don't know if I want to own oh, this have... one. <laughs> I don't. I don't blame you. But uh, I wonder if there's like a special feature with just. I just want to see one like person who was a part of that shunting. You know, I just want to. I just want to like an interview with them and be like, hey, 
what uh what <laughs> what was going on yeah i know that usna has done a lot of interviews about it um and, and still talks about it openly and is pretty it, i don't know how proud he is of the movie he should be proud because it's you know he left his mark on on uh horror history for sure um but yeah it's i imagine when it sort of came back out it, i think it you know did some festivals it probably you know played alamo draft house probably still does it's it, i imagine oh, sure. it's one of those uh you know fun cult movies i i think it's a little too weird for us to book at the capitol but uh you know you never never say never <laughs> hey man if he isn't comes i don't know if he's still alive but uh, i hope he is yes he is yeah okay good Stuart gordon is no longer with us but uh using is still with us yeah sadly yeah yeah, so do, what, what what are some of your final thoughts on this one as we start to wrap things up? Man, you know, I, I think I went, I went in kind of knowing what to expect, but I didn't, like I said, expect it to be such a, like a well-crafted movie. Um, like, like, specifically the tone is just so kind of dead on, uh, and it seems like they have such control of it, and I was just really surprised by that, and I, it being released in 92, I was expecting like this. I I like like weird thrillers from the '90s, like weird, you know, like um, um, there's one with uh, no, I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> oh god, no, never mind. Uh, but those like weird like '90 or uh, single white female kind of stuff like okay, that. Okay, yeah. Um, I was thinking like it was gonna be kind of like this, but with that you know gooey edge to it. Um, not that that's a bad movie at all, but I was th- I was just you know I'm not gonna be entertained by the uh, the whole family aspect at all, but their performances were so great. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the effects are just incredibly outstanding. And uh, I was, I was really surprised by it and I'm, I'm really glad I watched it for this. This, this was a really fun one. Yeah. I, I yeah. too think it's a well-crafted movie um, on paper. It's absolutely insane. And then, you know, they, <laughs> they somehow like, this is not a movie that should work at all. And they somehow got the right ingredients and, it's not something that could ever be remade. Um, but it's, yeah, man, it's just one of those things that shouldn't exist and does. And I'm so happy that it does. Uh, and yeah, I, I wanted to do something that we would never cover on, on the other show, <laughs> confused breakfast, but it would never, ever, they would, they would, my co-host, they would not be able to handle it. I know that for, for certain. I sort of want now want you to like send them a link to like the shunting scene and just record their reaction. <laughs> oh man, I'm going to do that now. That's for sure. So, um, tell my listeners where they can find all of your podcasts, uh, check out your band, uh, you know, just, just plug everything you have, uh, let them know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, you can find I'm super stoked podcast, uh, wherever you find your podcast, uh, on Spotify, uh, Apple podcasts, everything like that. You can just look it up um and then social media wise you can you can follow that on instagram and uh there we have a facebook group you can hop in there we're not really up on the social media with that but uh you can definitely get get in there and listen to some episodes and then confused breakfast uh you can find uh, on instagram confused breakfast uh twitter confused be fast uh and then we're on spotify and and all the podcatchers uh, apple podcasts and stuff and we just released an episode uh we do um uh, mini bites is what we what we call them, and it's just kind of like nostalgia breakdowns. Uh, we had done an episode of um, 
uh, 90s snack foods. And, and then now we just released a 90s snack drinks like Surge and everything like that. Um, so that's available right now. And then I believe next is Days Confused. And so that'll be uh, next Wednesday. So be on the lookout for that. And then um, the band Ratcatcher, uh, we don't have a Facebook page yet. We are playing um, uh, on the 26th of June at uh, Cocktails and Company in Cedar Rapids. It's our first show. Uh, and this Monday, uh, as of recording this anyway, let me see what date that is. Monday will be the 14th. Uh, you will have our page up and um, uh, be a music video and a song that you can listen to. So That's perfect. Uh, I'll make sure to link everything in the notes yeah. so that people can easily click it and check it out. Right on. I appreciate that. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Sean. It's uh, great to have you here. Uh, like I said, I, I, I'm so excited I got to introduce somebody to society. Uh, before we go, what are some other movies that you haven't seen that might uh, surprise people? Get some of them off your chest. Let them go. Um, let me see here. Let me pull up this list I sent you real quick. <laughs> um, sorry, killing time, killing time. Here it is. Let's see. Okay. So society was first. Miss Forty Five, Ghost Dog, Can't Hardly Wait, Jawbreaker, Fear, Drop Dead Fred, Mid Nineties, The Empty Man, which is kind of a new one, Clue, which is insane. I'm I'm a huge fan of. Uh, now I can't even think of his name. Tim Curry. But uh, that's it. Thank you. Uh, Shadow in the Clouds, a new one. Pacific Heights is what I was trying to think of earlier, actually. Uh, My Bodyguard and The Fanatic. Uh, those are just just some weird ones I sent you, but. I'd say like a huge classic blind spot is I've never seen um, Citizen, you know, or something like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, Clue just came up in one of my episodes the last couple of weeks because I haven't seen it either. And my guest was like, oh, wow. Oh, we got to do Clue. So, uh, you know, maybe that would be one to, to bring you back so we can both finally watch watch that one. And check it off the list. Oh, hell yeah, man. I'd be, be glad to. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. A special thank you goes out to my friend Scott Schreiner for our intro and outro music. We'll see you next week on First Time Podcast. <laughs>